This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Malola Lee and welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hullitow and joining me as always is the lovely Sarah Nangama. Bulabinaka Dean, always a pleasure to be back in the studio with you. It is, yes, and it is Tongan National Day today, so that is why I, I said hello in Tongan and uh, we've got plenty coming up in the show this week. Yes, we do. Coming up in the next hour, we take a look back at the weekend in sport. We have an interview with our new reporter, scholar, and a new question for our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. Now, we always start the show with a story, and mm-hmm. Sarah, I imagine you've got a good story for us this week. <laughs> yes. I, I'm determined to have a better story than last week because I felt like I sounded like a spoilt brat, and I, I want to rectify that. Okay. So an attempt to do that, last week, my partner Lee and I took part in our first Fijian language class. Yes. yes. We've been talking about this, like about getting to know your own language and... Mm-hmm. Um, you've taken the big step of starting some classes. Yes, it's been huge. So for context, my partner, he's of South African background and I'm of Fijian and I'm, yeah, I'm of Fijian. I am Fijian. <laughs> <laughs> and basically I just thought, you know, when we get older, cause when I was growing up, it was really special that we could preserve our culture through my mum and my dad. So I'm just like thinking big picture down the track. Like I want to be able to preserve our culture in our home as well. So I thought the strongest way to do that is through language. So we did our first lesson. Our, our teacher's name, her name is Dr. T and she joins us or runs her classes on Zoom from Hawaii. And it was really cool because I learned so much um, within that first lesson, even about Fiji, like geography and, you know, the map that everyone else sees compared to like the Fijian map and how we have 14 provinces and over 300 dialects. And it was, it was incredible. And the best thing about it was we all had to attempt speaking the language, including Lee had to introduce himself and like where he's from using Fijian language and he was just so up for the challenge and it made me feel really proud of us. Oh, well, well done. That is, you. Uh, you should be proud of yourselves. That's, uh, that's great. Was it, was it nerve wracking having to do that in front yes, of other people? Yes, it really was. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about the class is often when you try and do things in front of people, you can shy away because you don't want to muck up or sound like a fool. But I just thought, you know what? Just chuck myself and learn because that's the only way I'm going to learn is if I muck up. So 100%. Yeah. Anyways, enough about me. How, how are you? What's happening in the world of Dean Hallitow? I'm going well, thanks. Uh, work is good. Work is the same. I always talk about work. Let's not talk about work, but you know that I love my fantasy NFL. I've been talking about it since we <laughs> you and all your since n- the NFL season your started. Your nerdy project. Yeah. Yep. Well, last week, uh, Friday night, I went out for dinner with one of the leagues that I'm in with <laughs> a group of the guys. We went out for yeah. dinner and I haven't met, I hadn't met two thirds of them. So it was... Wait, how many, are, how many are there with There's you guys? There's 12 people in the, in the league. And uh, how, not everyone went out. There was probably eight of us that went out for dinner. So That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I asked the guy that connects us all is Michael Karianis, who oh, there's a couple in there that I know, but Michael Karianis invited me in and uh, he's uh, one of our fellow callers on the ABC mm-hmm. in, in rugby league. And um, he's connected to everyone that's in the group, but most of the group didn't know each other. Uh, did you Other feel like you're on a blind date, like a yeah, bit was, blind date? It was a little bit bizarre, but um, they're all good dudes. They love NFL, obviously, and um, it was just good to get together and actually meet face to face. Can so I that just was, ask, yeah. what did you talk about? Talked about NFL. Really? You sound so <laughs> no, nerdy, no, but talk, I love it, Hala. There's there's a few journos in there, so they love their oh, league, okay. and so we talked talked a bit about like footy, and which is the easy go to for me. Um, but and we had some really good food. <laughs> Great food. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. It's, it's so nerdy, but it's so you. And I'm glad you found your circle, Fantasy League. 
It's not my circle. It was. It's just. It was. I just love it. I, I, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Let's sorry. Let's get on to sport from last week. What about this? What happened in the uh, in the football Serie Serie A league over in Brazil? There was uh, a bit of a bad call that went on one of the games, one of the local games, and um, the fans took a little bit of an exception to one of the pieces of technology used to make that call. Yes, and that piece of technology is referred to as VAR, which is shortened for Video Assistant Referee. And supporters of the Brazilian club, Gamero, took the hatred a little bit too far on Sunday because they went onto the pitch and they destroyed the equipment, sorry, destroyed the piece of equipment after having a goal ruled out for offside in their 3-1 defeat against Palmeiras. Yeah, well, you know soccer or football fans, as, as they're they probably crazy. know in the world around, they're, they're so passionate about their teams and um, you often see them going pretty pretty nutso in the in the stands and to go on the field, storm the pitch and, and then destroy the VAR. Damn machine made the mistake. <laughs> Just imagine how that would go down in an NRL game. Video referee, am I like running up to the bunker and trying to smash their computer? Yeah, well, that's right. The video referee makes a decision from the bunker. There is a screen on the side that is used for injury surveillance. So if they go and destroy that, then players are not going to be able to get cared for. That's not a right thing to do. It's so funny though, because with this team, Grameo, and I, I hope I'm saying it right, they're actually sitting 19th out of the 20 teams in the competition. Passionate. So almost that speaks volumes as volumes too about, I guess, how passionate, but probably how sick their fans are of them not necessarily doing too well. So they're like, you know what? We're going to help you. We're just going to smash the damn machine. <laughs> yes. Maybe they'll move up to 18th next year. It's actually really bad though, because they're going to be fine. Like there's, there's some heavy Big fines pen- for the club. Yeah, yeah there's there's heavy penalties. They're going to be fined up to $23,420. Like that's a, that's a big bill to fork out for. Yeah. That's an expensive piece of equipment. It's probably actually worth more than that. But anyway, hopefully um, the fans stay in their seats next game. They're actually not going to be there, are they? So over to rugby, Sarah, your sport, the sport they play in heaven, the game they play in heaven. So we'll get that right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. one. Uh, yes. There was a lot of uh, test rugby that happened on the weekend. The first match that took place on the weekend was between Ikale Tahi and Scotland. So Ikale Tahi is the Tongan team and they were defeated 60 to 14. It was a huge, I guess safe to say, thrashing in the opening autumn rugby test at Murrayfield last weekend. From that game, Carl Stein, who was outstanding for the Scotland side, he scored four of the 10 tries in the 60 to 14 victory. It's really disheartening, but it is what it is. No doubt the Tongan side will take some lessons from this, but the Scots actually, while they will definitely be relishing in all the victory that comes from this big win. They're set to face some tougher matches against Australia, South Africa and Japan over the next three weekends. And they'll also get some of their England and France-based players available. So the Scotland side is set to be stronger and the Tongan team, tough, tough night in the park. Um, but they did score one try through David Little here. Yeah, well, Scotland had a man in the sin bin, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, difficult night for, for Tonga. But as you said, Scotland getting those players back, coming up against the heavyweights of Australia, South Africa and, and Japan is, is, you know, proved that they're okay on, on the world stage as well. Uh, it's going to be tough for the, the Scotland team. Australia. Australia's going all the way to Yeah, the they're going good. They are. Going for six in a row. Yes. Okay, yes. We'll, get, we'll get to them. It's not their, it's not their yes. turn yet. The All Blacks had a big win against Wales following their, their big one against the USA last week. My goodness, the All Blacks have done it again. Yes, they did beat uh, the Welshmen 54-16. to 16. The game took place in Cardiff and had a capacity crowd of 74,500 people, which is huge because you forget to – you forget, sorry, that not a lot of people could watch sport not too long ago. So um, since the pandemic began, this is the, the largest crowd that the, the venue has hosted. So – 
it was really special for a number of reasons, particularly for Bowden Barrett, who marked his 100th test. Um, and in true Barrett style, he scored two intercept tries, um, which ultimately led to New Zealand's convincing win over Wales. Yeah, big win for the All Blacks. And I was watching uh, an interview that Bowden done in the lead up to that test match and um, talking about the pride he has in his jersey and obviously being able to play at that level with his brothers as well is something that he's uh, he so treasures special. and um, yeah well, he's been around for such a long time he's a, like a, an outstanding player and you know did what he's done in, in most matches and had an imprint on it scored a couple of tries as you said so well done to Bowden Barrett yes Continuing in the test arena is also the Black Ferns, who are the women's New Zealand 15s rugby team. They are currently on their European tour and had their first test against England. The Black Ferns are a formidable side in the international scene and went down to England 43-12. to This was huge. Um, and I am a, a rugby girl myself and, you know, Black Ferns and England continually set the benchmark when it comes to the the international stage. So to see two top sides go head to head, but then to see such a huge point difference um, speaks volumes of how competitive it is. But worth noting, the Black Ferns also had some new girls that had made their debuts. Yeah, they had nine debutantes in that match. So that's a... It's enormous for those young young players to get their opportunity. Uh, but like you said, the England side, um, they've, they've managed to have 14 internationals in the time uh, that the, the Black Ferns have had their last match. So it was a, always going to be a tough one, especially uh, over there. But look, England's going to be a, f- a force to, to come up against in the World Cup next year. They're showing that in this match. Um, they were competitive in the other format, in the sevens at the Olympics as well. Mm-hmm. So um, there's plenty to, to look out for on the world rugby stage. Absolutely. And I think it's also worth noting that the English girls have had so much opportunity to to play games. They won the Six Nations most recently. And this is the kind of form that you want to be taking into the biggest year of World's Rugby, which is a World Cup year. So hugely, um, I don't necessarily think it's a disappointment for the Black Ferns, remembering that they were bringing new girls into their squad, but such a wake up call to all nations that have women's sides who have their sights set on competing for the World Cup that you need to play test matches to be able to match with the best in the world. So huge congratulations to the English girls. The Black Ferns, they still have another test against England and two more um, against France. So this trip will be a character building nonetheless because the European tours are always the hardest. So again, it'll be really, really special for them. And I also want to mention that it is their 100th test match um, for the Black Ferns, which also, also matches Bowden Barrett's 100th test game. All coming on the same weekend. Very special. Very, very special for New Zealand rugby. So watch this space. More to come. Definitely. Now over to rugby league. And we spoke about last week in Samoa, they have a a test series, sorry, a a rep series called the Islands of Origin. It's trying to emulate uh, the state of origin here in Australia. And the Savai'i Blues weren't good enough uh, against the Timor Maroons. They won 32 to 26. And it's a great concept, this series. There's still two matches to go at time of recording. So, um, We'll keep an eye out and bring back the results on that one. Did we ever mention who we were going for last week? Uh, I don't think we did. I think it's I think it's fair for us to choose a side because if this is going to be a three test series, one of us needs to be a winner and the other one needs to be a loser. So who you got? Oh, do, I want to be selfish and say the Blues. That's cause... okay because um, Tamor Maroons beat you. So yeah, they're I'll... up one already. So yes. yeah. So I'll go Maroons and you okay. go Surviving Blues. <laughs> Fantastic. Watch your space for next week's result. (laughs) Shifting our attention from the islands and to America, what is happening in the NFL world? Yeah, well, it's week eight. Week eight just passed in the NFL and uh, there's plenty going on. There's some teams that are 
um, falling away, falling by the wayside in terms of the, the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been a force, but they managed to scrape home in Monday Night Football, which was a big one for uh, Patrick Mahomes, their quarterback. He led the way, and um, they still went strong, but they got the win, which is important for them. Now, one of the players that we're keen to keep an eye on, and we continue to do so, is Jordan Mailata from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they got a huge win against the Detroit Lions, and look, Detroit aren't traveling too well. They haven't won a game this season. The Philadelphia Eagles won 44 to six. So a big game, but um, their quarterback, Jalen Hurts had plenty of time, which Jordan Mylata is responsible or one of the guys responsible for protecting uh, the quarterback and making sure that there's plenty of space for him to throw passes and also for the running backs to, to find some, some ways to run through. So he's doing a good job after his return a few weeks ago from injury. And another guy that um, we've been interested in, he's had a couple of big games is Kendrick Bourne. He's a wide receiver for the New England Patriots. They managed to win 27 to 24 over the LA Chargers, who are um, traveling pretty good this year in the league. So Kendrick Bourne had another strong game. I think six targets, four carries, 40-odd yards. So he's um, a pretty good target there for them, and he's doing a good job at wide receiver. Other games of note, can't think of any at the moment. (laughs) Thank you for your honest approach. I really dig that, Hala. I have a lesson too. I have to give a lesson every week on, on NFL. All and right, hit us. So as you know, in rugby league, there's six tackles every set. Mm-hmm. If you haven't um, scored a try or kicked the ball away, well, you've got you to get rid of the ball before you six tackle or else it's a turnover on the spot. In the um, NFL, it's four downs. So similar to a tackle, once the play is killed or tackled, then that's one down. You get four downs to make it 10 yards. If you progress past 10 yards, you get another. it resets until you're up there in the field. Now, if you're at the goal line, then it's, it's called first and goal, second and goal, third and goal, unless you score a touchdown, kick a field goal. So you get four downs, very similar to tackles in rugby league. I certainly learned something today. There you go. That's the, the whole point of it. I'm glad it worked. <laughs> Thank you, Hala. <laughs> Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa time, we're very lucky to be joined by Skola Sengi. She's working with the NBC over in Papua New Guinea. She's covering all things sport and uh, pretty much all things news. She's our newest reporter on the ground. Skola, welcome to the show. Can You Be More Pacific? Thank you very much for having me, Dee. We'll get started by by asking, tell us a little bit about um, your role in the NBC and what you'll be doing for us. Yes, so I'm a sports producer for the National Broadcasting Corporation in Papua New Guinea. I basically cover just pretty much anything and everything sports in the country. That's fantastic. And thinking about like your journey to date, how did you get involved in journalism? Um, well, basically, my dad uh, is a journalist by profession, but he spent most of his years working for the foreign service here in the country. And my mom is a sports teacher by profession. So we grew up pretty, basically around sports all our lives. And I was out of university for a bit uh, looking for a job. Then the opportunity came for one of our uh, television stations here and I applied and I got it. And I've been here ever since. <laughs> That's fantastic. Considering that you were brought up with sport, it's almost inevitable that you ended up in sport journalism. I can't get away from it. <laughs> Did you grow up playing any sports? Yes. So I started out with swimming when I was younger. My mom, because I had asthma, my mom thought that the best sport to make me grow out of asthma. My yeah, um, She introduced me to swimming in school. 
But eventually through primary school and through high school, I developed a liking for the football code. So I played a bit of soccer in my days and then tried out AFL, a bit of rugby league, touch yes. rugby, and then I fell in love with rugby union. Sarah's, That's just music to my ears. Yeah, Sarah's got fist <laughs> pumping in the air right now because she is rugby union all day. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it, can you give the listeners a little bit of insight into sport in Papua New Guinea? We, we often have guests on yep. talking about how passionate um, everyone is in the country around sport. I'm a league, so I know that rugby yeah. league is, is quite big there. But, yeah, can you <laughs> fill us in on, on what sport is like in Papua New Guinea? Sports in Papua New Guinea is basically family orientated. So if your mom and dad's in sports, you basically have your aunts, uncles, cousins, basically everyone from your extended family to your friends at home to your neighborhood friends, your schoolmates, everybody does sports. Whether it's rugby league, the biggest following here is rugby league. Everybody sort of played rugby league, but there are other football codes that are emerging that um, Papua New Guineans are following. So there's soccer, which we have a semi-professional competition. We have rugby union. There's a liking for athletics too as well. Those are areas where we have untapped talent. And uh, some of the court codes. So that's netball, basketball, and volleyball too as well. Obviously, the last few years have been pretty challenging in terms of what's happening around the world and in the community. What, how are the, the participation numbers in general? Say, before taking COVID out of it, how do you see mm. the participation in most sports in Papua New Guinea going? We had a lot of participation following the 2015 Pacific Games. Um, after that, there wasn't really a drop, just a slight decrease in the number of participation. But when COVID hit, we had most of our competitions cancelled. So there weren't any activities, basically. And everyone's kind of trying to look for other ways to get involved in sports, basically. Um, at the moment, we just have rugby league, but we've had a surge in the Delta variant and COVID numbers mm. have increased again. So most of our competitions, including the Digital Cup, the semi-professional rugby league competition here in the country, as well as the NSL, have been cancelled temporarily. We're just waiting for when we get the approval from the National Control Centre and from the PNG Sports Foundation to resume competition, basically. Sounds like there is a lot going on there. and we That's can... a lot. That's yes. a lot. That's a lot, sis. That is a hell of a lot. For those joining us, we are joined by Scholar Senge, our newest reporter from PNG. Scholar, I have to ask, you know, I am I'm a female athlete and, you know, you are witnessing sport on the ground there in PNG. For the young girls coming up, are there any sports in particular that they take a likening to? Um, I'm not too sure because there's a lot of girls that uh, – liking other sports apart from the uh, football codes and the team sports. So they're engaging in um, netball, which is making an emergence. But since we had our biggest court here being used as a field hospital for COVID-19 cases, that's been put to hold. Um, but soccer, the most sports being played outside of Port Mosby are the court codes. So that's volleyball, basketball, and netball. We spoke uh, last week, I think it was, to the new chairman of uh, Papua New Guinea Rugby, and he was talking about yep. changing the, the mindset from mm. volunteerism to paid um, staff yep. so that the, the games themselves could grow, increasing qualifications as well of trainers, coaches, and staff mm. running competitions. Is that somewhere where you feel sport can go in Papua New Guinea? 
yes, most of the sporting codes in the country, they, we all work. I, I, I'm saying we all work because I do voluntary um, work for my rugby union club here in Port Moresby. Most of it is unpaid. So a lot of people get money out of their pockets to fund trips, basically, to get ice, water bottles, whatever mm. we can assist teams. That's what we do. So more paid positions will allow consistency, basically, for codes to grow. Yeah, and I know Sarah asked before about um, the choices of sport that a lot of young girls are, are entering into. But what about for yourself as a woman working in sports journalism? Has is, is there been any barriers for you um, trying to make your way uh, through that landscape? Yes, it's male dominated. We've had a lot of guys being in the not just sports reporting, but in the media industry and women are slowly uh, emerging into the industry. Sports wise, we want more women to join the sports journalism field. I really do want more women to do that. Do you see yourself setting an example in that sense for all the young girls in PNG or just anyone that can identify with, with you being in that space that you are setting an example that that is potentially another avenue for them in their career? Yes. Um, I don't really view myself as an example. I just want people to bounce off my energy and the charisma that I set for myself. It's not all written in journalism. You have to go out there and explore it yourself. And it's like molding your craft over the years. And you get better every year when you get out there, cover the stories, meet people. And you find a lot of interesting stories from basically anybody and everybody out in sports. I dig that. I like the part where you said that journalism isn't all written, it's felt. And I can certainly vouch for that. Being in the studio, I can certainly feel um, your warm energy. So I'm sure that's felt by anyone that you come across. As a last question, and I know we've just touched on it a little bit and you don't see yourself necessarily in this example, but do you have any advice for any young journalists um, who are coming through the ranks? Get out there and don't be intimidated. Yes. (laughs) I buy that. That is, that is solid advice. Well, typically what we'd love to do with our guests before we say goodbye to them is run a little bit of a quick fire questionnaire. It basically goes for 60 seconds. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be lighthearted. And we don't want you to think too much about it. We just want you to say the first answer that comes to mind. Are you up for it? Yep. Sure. Fantastic. And the clock is on. What are you reading, watching, or listening to right now? I'm listening to, ooh, that's a tough one, The Beatles. Hey, what was your first concert? Uh, Mumpy. She's an African um, artist. No, I know exactly who you're talking about. Who was your sporting hero? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, Darius Boyd. Gun. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Oh, Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> what was your favourite movie as a kid? Favorite movie as a kid? Oh, that's a tough one. I had a lot. I'll probably go with Cinderella or Pocahontas. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Oh, I can't live without coconut cream. <laughs> favorite place you've traveled to? I've been around the world a bit, but my favorite place will be Belgium in Europe. What is your dream car? Uh, Subaru WRX. And last but not least, who would play you in the movie of your life? Oh, I don't know. I really don't know that one. (laughs) (laughs) That was 
awesome. I loved your answers. Very I love this interview, period. Yeah. <laughs> Scholar, thanks very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. We can't wait to hear more from you as we go to air every week. Uh, looking forward to the stories you bring from on the ground there over in PNG. Thank you. No worries. And thank you very much, too. That was Scholar Sengi, our newest reporter, joining us on the ground from PNG. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Time for our favourite segment, You Can Ask That, where we ask anyone out there to send a question in that you might have of a former, myself, or a current athlete, Sarah, uh, that's been bugging you or in your mind that you probably wouldn't ask anyone else or ask an athlete to their face. And yeah, we'll throw it on the air and try and answer the question as best as we can. And this week, we've had a question come in uh, from Tony from Sutherland. Sup, Tony? Hey, Tony. What's going on, mate? Um, He's got two questions. One's for a current athlete. And I'm going to throw it to you right now. It's how serious do you take your social media? And at what point do you decide social media shapes your brand? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I feel really seen right now with this question. (laughs) (laughs) This is right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, seriously. How serious do I take my social media? Uh, Probably pretty seriously, to be honest. Um, You and I have spoken about this at great lengths before on this show that social media is like this... This contract that you sign that when you when you choose to be an athlete that you are putting out an image that I guess is is palatable for the public. And I definitely feel that with my own and certainly this year with some extra work that I've taken on within the media space. I, I feel like people do take my social media a bit seriously. So I try and kind of err to the side of caution so that I don't um, cause any controversial backlash. Um, so that's probably speaks volumes to the first question, like how serious do I take it? Yeah, pretty seriously because it, I don't want to give people a reason, um, I don't know, to to have their say in my life. Like I don't really care for it, but I know that it, it means a lot to a lot of people who may not necessarily be in my circle of friends or family. Um, for the second part, at what point do you decide social media shapes your brand? To the max, (laughs) (laughs) to the actual max. And it's, again, um, speaking to that point of like picking up some extra work, I know that I have sourced extra work because people have been able to connect with me through my Instagram or through my Facebook. So um, it's like this weird relationship that I have of like, oh, I love social media because it's a positive tool that I can like show the cool things that I'm doing. But at the same time, I'm so mindful of what I let people see because I'm also trying to control the perception that they have of me. Um, And I think that depending on how invested you are on your social media platform, whether you're an influencer or just a casual poster, like everyone is trying to paint a picture of how they want the world to see them. And because I'm very much serious of trying to do more work within the media space, um, I try and show my character of being professional yeah, yeah being who I am and like yes I'm professional but like I also enjoy going out and having a drink with my girls and I'm not going to shy away from that because that's just life True. um and uh looking at our run sheet our wonderful producer Nelly has added another one so this is my three questions and you can ask that is do I ever feel silenced by my social media or having to share a palatable image rather than my opinion um Yeah, I guess I absolutely do. There are some things that I know are hugely controversial on the internet and I think for me to to be able to preserve my my peace of mind and um, 
I guess myself is that I don't engage that way or I don't allow my platform to be the place where people can come and share their opinions that may not necessarily be mine. And I also think there are different ways that people share their activism. Mine isn't necessarily through my social media. Some may think that's weak or whatever, but I just think I'm going to choose my battles and social media is not the place where I'm going to advocate for the things that mean most to me. I, I like that it's like, it's something that you can try. This is something that like, I, I came through a time where and we joke about my lack of social media um, skills and, and whatnot, but I, I came through footy when social media wasn't a thing mm. and then became a thing and um, then took off way more than I could keep up with. And um, you've got control over a, a way to get things out to the public, right? Which is probably the, the biggest benefit, I guess, of, of social media is that you have con- control over it. And um, I like that you... You filter and you put out what you want to put out. It doesn't have to be all of you, but it's some of you that um, people might like and enjoy and, and that it helps build your own brand. So I see players now in, in, in rugby league that have really understood that and leverage it really well and to their own benefit, but also give enough of themselves out so the public can get a good insight as to, as to the type of person they are and what their interests are. But I also see players misuse it don't filter what they put out there and can really tarnish their, their brand or their image and um, it can have a negative effect. So it's it's been really interesting as someone that doesn't really engage with it enough, I guess, and um, how it's become a part of sport and a, a part of athletes' brand and their image and uh, yeah, the way that they – when it's used really well, um, it's good to engage with and watch and and buy into what people are putting out there. Yeah. And I think I just want to add before we move on to um, your question from Tony in (laughs) Sutherland, AKA Sydney, is that I essentially want to create a profile online that is very true to who I am in real life. And I, and because I also work in marketing outside of this fabulous uh, radio show is if you see me in the street, I want you to be like, oh, she's exactly the same on her socials. Like there's so many times and so many conversations I've been in with my friends or whoever where they're like, oh, like they talk themselves up on social media, but they can't even hold a conversation when you bump into them on the street. And like, that's my, that's I don't my think fears. you have any trouble holding a conversation on the street. <laughs> I'm shy. What do you mean, Bella? <laughs> but yes, uh, so I've answered your three questions, Tony, and I hope uh, they, they give you some insight into what you were seeking. Enough about me, and I'm sure as hell sick of hearing my own voice. Former athlete, my friend and my media bestie, Dean Hallatow. Tony in Sutherland is asking, why are you all a bunch of gronks who can't play golf? And when he <laughs> says you all, he basically means former rugby players. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying that like, I don't know, that we can't play golf, that we try to play golf and we're not good at it. No, so I know Tony. Tony's a, a friend and a listener. And he he added that question on, I think, just to drive me funny. But he's beaten me every time I played golf for the last, I don't know, four or five games. So it's getting a bit beyond a joke. But this question rings true because a lot of rugby players or, you know, whether they're current or former, love to play golf in their downtime. Like, is it a, is it a trend? Is it like peer pressure or is it genuine interest because I it's love, a hobby? I love golf. Why? It's so boring. It's so hard. I think the, the, the thing I love about it is a challenge. When you hit a shot really well, you're like, I've figured it out. And the very next shot, I hate this game. <laughs> I didn't, I nearly saw it then. I hate this game. So it's like, yeah, it's the challenge of trying to get good at it, I think is what people love. I feel like that's not my sport because if I'm not good at it within like the first couple of attempts, I'm like so disengaged. I got my first set of golf clubs when I was 17 years old and I've improved maybe 5% since then. Yeah. So So it's really a craft that will only 
like you'll only be better at it if you spent time on it. Yeah, you have to you have to play a lot. And Tony from Sutherland, I know, sneaks out and plays maybe three or four times a week. So any wonder he's beating me. Okay, so in. So you're a gronk is basically what Tony's <laughs> yeah, trying to say. I'm a gronk, yeah. Yeah, great, cool. <laughs> so basically, listeners, if you've got a question, you can send it to us on Instagram, slide into our DMs. My handle is at Sarah Nangama and Dean's is at Dean Hallitow. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Can you be more Pacific? Talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere because we've still got plenty to come, including our favourite socials. We tackle some tough headlines in the ruck and we've got music from a local artist. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. This week in socials, we definitely found some things that made us laugh. And I'm going to go first, Harla, because this was pretty iconic. Go for it. So my Insta, oh, sorry, I should say my social from this week comes from uh, the ABC Sport Instagram where we see Nathan Vardy. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're sorry. laughing before it's up. It's ridiculous, but it's so fantastic. So he is a West Coast Eagles player and he got a QR code tatted onto his foot. Where does it go? Where does a QR code go? It links to Dom Sheed's 2018 grand final winning goal. I just think that is hilarious, but so ridiculous. Very. It's on his foot. So I wonder if he wears like like slides or thongs around very often or if he's in shoes all the time. And he thought, it's all right, no one will see this. No one will ever see this. So I can put it on my foot. But pretty class to do that. 100%. And it's so on brand for 2021 and living throughout a pandemic, right? Like QR codes, like you cannot do anything um, unless you scan a QR code. But, you know, awkward if he's like standing like, you know, waiting in line for a coffee or something and he has his camera open because sometimes you just do and then it just opens up the grand final try. Maybe he wants that to happen. Maybe he does. Just to relive it over and over and over. Maybe he's, he really loves his feet and wants everyone to see it and scan it. <laughs> that's bold. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, that's mine. What's yours? Well, my one is from an All Blacks game and there's a guy that made headlines earlier in the year and we made note of this. Uh, Jarvo 69. Do you remember Jarvo 69? Oh, yes, we do. He pop- oh, sorry. Yes, I do. He popped up on the field for the Indian cricket team as their 12th man. He's, I'm over this guy. He's just, he's on the field. He's got the full kit. So this is going back on the field, full kit, Indian cricket team. Well, he's popped up again <laughs> at anthem time for the All Blacks in their Standing match in line. Against, well, standing in line. Yeah. So he's, he's made it all the way past security on the field. Hand on chest as the anthems played, but Pig Athletic Club put it up on their Instagram and they put the the, uh, the soundtrack to um, Titanic, but the little off-key soundtrack. It's great. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Sounds like my singing. I just, I love, I love the soundtrack. Java but this guy, anywhere. he makes it anywhere. What do you reckon they say when they pull him off the field and they chucked him into a meeting room? I don't know, but there's there's been these guys that have popped up over the years that are just a serial pest at big sporting events. They they streak or they they turn up on the field and have things painted on them, and he's just got his jersey on all the time, or his cricket whites that have Javo sixty nine on the back. One thing I have to admit is we we love to see Javo. Hey, he actually had a mask on too, so he's very COVID safe. He was very smart about it because I think he would have posed greater threat on himself in terms of fines as well as a team if he didn't have it on. Yeah. But that's also what made him be spotted in the first place. 
Jabba. Idiot. I love him. I love him. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> in the rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? This week in the rock, we have some tough headlines to tackle. First being COP26, I know that a lot of us have been hearing headlines about it. So for a bit of context, COP stands for Conference of the Parties, and it is basically an annual meeting of the 197 parties. So they're basically... 197 countries who have signed up to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. And that conference is about to take off and there are some big things to talk about when it comes to climate change and its effect on sport. Yeah, I guess why sport and around climate change? Well, sport can be directly affected when there's serious weather events, which can increase obviously heat. Um, We've seen a couple of years ago with the Australian Open, it had to be um, delayed because of heat and matches were suspended. Um, in the Pacific region, when, when there's extreme weather events, it can affect their actual ecosystem. So their food sources, again, mm. temperature changes. And um, yeah, so we're not saying that sport is the linchpin for everything climate change related, but um, sport is something that binds everyone across the globe. And um, it's probably a, a good way to bring climate change issues to light through sport as a vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen what sport can do when it's like being used as a vehicle to to bring about awareness and bring about change. And often I think when we talk about climate change, you think that it's a it's a something that doesn't necessarily affect you when day to day there are choices that we make that are actually the detriment to mankind and, and to this planet. So I think there are, there's a lot of things that we can learn, um, particularly from conferences like this. And it also, like for me personally, I feel so challenged to to know more and to be better and to do my part. I think that's the purpose of, of engaging sport mm. in, in this, this whole process is to yeah, encourage people to think about their own impact that they're having on the environment. And um, for, for sporting organisations, large sporting organisations, which make up some of the biggest organisations in countries, you know, ask them to sign up to, to change in what they do from a climate uh, perspective as well. So good that it's on the table. Absolutely. And across the NRL, there are a few things happening there, but I guess the most exciting thing to report is an Indigenous film has uh, been released that's been led by, or should I say, produced? Is that fair to say? I think he's, I think he's got producer um, elements to his. Yeah. He's also in it as a uh, <laughs> as a star of the of the movie and um, someone that I, a subject matter expert. So he's he's a bit of everything. Dean Witters, who's a yes, Dean Witters. Sorry, guys, that's that's basically what we've been trying to build towards is that Dean Witters is the man of the hour and he has created a, a documentary? Yeah, it's a documentary and, and it's following um, their journey to, to creating this this dance that um, the All-Stars event is something that's been built up in rugby league over a number of years and um, something that they wanted to do as a part of the Indigenous team's um, entrance onto the field is have their own, um, I guess, war cry to match the haka. And, mm. and that was uh, something that they thought would help bind all the players on the field that were from different um, different nations from different uh, different mobs to bring them together under one um, dance that they can show them and their culture off uh, in these sporting events like um, we see f- with the Haka and, and anyone that's um, representing New Zealand or um, New Zealand Maldives as well. So I think it's um, it's going to be a really good watch. I encourage anyone to get there and watch it. Dino's one of the best blokes that you'll meet and he's quite passionate about anything um, in, in helping promote First Nations people. Yes, and we saw a trailer released by the NRL earlier this week and it's called Aratika Rise Up. 
Well, I've seen from an early age what rugby league can do for the Aboriginal community. It takes us back to our traditional culture. Uh, the teamwork, the sticking up for each other, being there for each other. It really suits the way Aboriginal people work in our communities. All through the Pacific, every country has a performance before the game. And we're the biggest of the Pacific nations. We've got the oldest culture out of all of those Pacific nations. We should be the main ones doing something to show respect to our traditional people. I thought, you know, what we need to do is come up with a dance that represents all of these players, which is then able to be danced by anyone because it's a universal dance across all the nations. You've got to show them older guys that you deserve to be in their team, that this dance and this culture means so much to them that you can't wait to put that jersey on and play. First calling is... Go! Wah, wah! Wah, wah! watch this space and I think we should all get around it because it'll give us some incredible insights that would be lost on us if we didn't have this perspective or insight. We love a pathway on this show and earlier this week, the Queensland Rugby League confirmed that clubs will contest in the 2022 QRW season and have added an additional two teams to the comp. Yeah, and QRL has... um made a really strong, they've always had really good state-based competitions and mm. this commitment to expanding the number of women's teams in that state-based competition is going to create more pathways for, for young girls playing the game. Um, the community competitions up there are also quite strong as well. So there's going to be more than eight women's teams playing in competitions up in Queensland in community competitions, but um, in the premier state, state-based competition, the eight teams that will be involved will be the Brisbane Tigers, the Burley Bears, Central Queensland Capras, the North Queensland Gold Stars, South Slogan Magpies, Tweed Seagulls, West Brisbane Panthers and Wynnum Manly Seagulls. So all really strong clubs and um, they've got good bases, good resources, good support and it's great for the women's game. Absolutely. And I love to see it. And I know it's it's not necessarily what we're talking about, but here in New South Wales where the Shoot Shoot competition, which is the rugby community rugby for um, Union, we just this over the past couple of months um, – there's been some talk about every Shoot Shield team submitting a women's team, which is really huge. But I guess like it also begs the same question in Queensland is you want to have additional pathways and additional teams and that's fantastic. But you're asking to source like an extra, like, well, I'm thinking from here in Sydney, extra like 300 girls. That's a lot. It's a hell of a lot. And I know there's definitely talent out there, but it places a lot of pressure on clubs, but probably necessary pressure to, to get their stuff together and go to get girls attracted to the games. But anyways, I digress, but it's fantastic for the Queensland girls and we need to see more girls playing this sport. Not so their sport, my sport. Your sport. It's a good point around the safety aspect, right? Because there's, be, there's going to be women that have played it for, at, at the elite level for a lot longer than when you're given opportunities to um, semi-professionals or well, to, to girls that haven't played it at the elite level. They're playing against girls that have done for a number of years. So there's a safety risk. 100%. To, to your point that you're making about that as well. Staying in Queensland and in, we mentioned the, the QRL, the state-based competition for the men up there, the PNG Hunters, we love to follow. 
they've made an announcement on another assistant coach in their team. Yes, the PNG Hunters have announced the appointment of Digicel Cup Premiership winning coach Stanley Teppend as assistant coach for the 2022 Intrust Super Cup season. Yes, Stanley was in charge of the Tigers that they took out the Digicel Cup this Bam. year. And um, it's great for coaches from the Papua New Guinea domestic competition, their premium competition over there to get the opportunity to develop, come down and, and join in the QRL. We know that the Hunters... Um, have had a bit of success there. Last year was a difficult one for them, but uh, for Stanley to earn that right to, to be added to their, their coaching uh, team is, is something that recognises the work he's done with the Tigers and reaching that premiership this year. Very exciting to see what he'll do in his new role. Now, this one I'm really excited to talk about because it was a pain point for me about two weeks ago when the Wallabies had announced their spring tour squad and my friend, well, he's not really my friend, but someone that I really do appreciate who plays the game is Nola Lucio was left out. However, a lot of controversy in the Wallabies camp over the past week because we see some Karevi and Quade Cooper um, choosing not to continue with the spring tour because they'd like to stay back with their club in Japan. However, when people go, you need to call people in. And part of that is Nola Lucio, hashtag thank you, Jesus. And the second one is Curtly Beal. Curtly Beal returns. Curtly Beal returns. Like I love seeing some Wallaby greats return to the test fold because of some loosening of laws because you want the best players to play for Australia. But let's let's talk about the first part, Nola Lucio. You've been begging for him to be playing. I've been complaining so much off air about and this. That was no disrespect to Quade Cooper. No, it was his way back into the team and was playing really well. But a development guy like Noah, who you want to be a future number 10, you want to, you want him to be playing, right? Or I'm, at least touring. Yes. And that's, that was exactly my point two weeks ago is don't leave Noah home because you think he needs to just improve his game. Everyone needs to improve the game. And it doesn't necessarily matter whether you're going to do that at Super Rugby at home or whether you're on the road. And for me, the way I see it is that Noah Lucio is going to be the number 10 at our next World Cup. So take him on the international tours, blood him, let him experience what it's like to have, you know, to travel a lot, to have fast turnarounds. Um, because the earlier you do that, I just feel like the Wallabies will benefit from that. Yeah, he's getting he's getting the learning experience of being on tour and being around those guys and in those systems. You, you get better by being around that, and I agree with you. I think it's uh, it's a good move to bring him across, and uh, he'll get plenty out of it. Kurtley Beale, love watching him play. Such a talented yes. guy, and hopefully he gets to play plenty of minutes and uh, we get to see some of the magic that he can produce. What about next year, the Super Rugby Alpiki season kicks off, and there's been some big signings for the Chiefs and the Hurricanes. Yes, both clubs have had huge signings. With the Chiefs, they signed Ruby Tui, who is just an absolute stellar human. And the second is Sarah Hirini, who joins Hurricanes. These two girls are sensational athletes. They were part of the Black Fern squad who represented uh, New Zealand in the Tokyo Olympics. And as we know, they won gold. So these are huge signings um, for both of these teams. Yeah, very exciting for that competition to be able to um, announce Big name signings, build a bit, bit of momentum and a bit of excitement before that uh, campaign kicks off next year. And as I said, Ruby Tui, lots of laughs in everything energy. that she produces. Energy, yeah. She'd be a good leader as well, right, amongst the team. So great work, both clubs. Yes, and speaking of Ruby, this is what she had to say about her signing. When Super Rugby Opiki was announced, I knew it was going to be a game changer. I think it's been a long time coming. I think we've... All women's rugby players have worked really, really hard for this moment. I think it's going to be a year like no other. And I'm really looking forward to donating the Chiefs jersey, the special, special jersey. You know, watching that game earlier in the year, 
and understanding how important culture is, especially with Alan Bunting at the helm, there's just no way I could look past the Chiefs. I think they're the whole package. Um, yeah, the words money and culture are super, super important to me and my rugby always have been. To me, the off field is just as important as the on, and I think the Chiefs are probably leading that um, in the women's space at the moment. So I'm so excited what can be produced in this team now. That's really special. Really, really special. And I love what she said about, you know, spirit and mana being something really important to her. And I think um, just as an outsider looking in Super Rugby, Olpiki definitely gives off that kind of vibe. Yeah, it's going to be, a, like, like you said, a really um, good competition to get behind. And it's great to hear her passion talking about representing. Let's go the girls. Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. This week, looking forward, there's no league. Hashtag That's sorry right. about it. League's in the off season. That's okay. Okay, cool. Forget about league. Okay, so get around the game they play in heaven. International rugby. International makes, test rugby. It like. makes things feel a lot more. We spoke about this, I think, last week. When rugby is being played in front of packed crowds in the Northern Hemisphere, it feels like things are back to normal. Mm, really, so, yeah, really special. I'm all for it. Love it. Well, you know, what we love to do is always take, oh, we want to bid. What is that bid? Or what tip. Do you, tip. Tip. We yeah, want to tips. tip. Tip. Tip winners. Yeah. I tip winners. You tip winners too. That's pretty. That's, we'll see what happens in the islands of origin. That's where. Yeah. Because I'm going for the maroons. Yeah. I'm going for the blues. So looking forward this week, uh, some fixtures or exciting fixtures are happening. First, the All Blacks versus Italy. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to tip Italy to win against the All Blacks. Great. No, um, I'm not. Go the All Blacks. You are ridiculous. I also am going for the All Blacks. Uh, next, we have Fiji versus Spain. Fiji, of course. Fiji, of course. Tonga versus England. England. England, sorry, Tonga. Wallabies versus Scotland. Oh, this will. This actually will be a good fixture. This is going to be tough, right? Scotland is going to be like up for this. And they're going to have the England and France base players joining them this week as well. Yeah, Wallabies with a few changes that we mentioned earlier. Yes. But... But Noah or Kirtley won't play this week. They can't. It's too quick. Too Yeah, too quick. Yeah, you've got to earn the right to wear your jersey. Kirtley, mate, you haven't been on the scene for about a year and a half, two years. Yeah, bring your excitement next week. Yeah, bring the energy at training and then maybe you'll get the call up. <laughs> Chihu. I'm still tipping the Wallabies. Yeah, me too. Great. Um, <laughs> and then we have, this is really exciting because the Black Ferns obviously had a loss. They'll be coming into this with a bit of fire in their belly and they're up against England. They would have learned a lot from that first match. Uh-huh. Nine debutants, so they get a chance to experience it for the first time. They would have taken some lessons. Uh, I think the second team, uh, the second test might look a little bit different in terms of the team that they field. So I want to say the Black Ferns are going to bounce back. Okay. I'm going to go with England. Okay. There we go. That's our first split. Finally, There's some split controversy. Decision. So one of us will be <laughs> a loser next week. Yes. $5 for the loser. Okay. Great. Yeah. I have to go to my kids' piggy banks and break out some cash. <laughs> Do it. You owe me my money, Gronk. <laughs> Gronk. <laughs> Anywho, listeners, it's been fabulous. We'll be back same time, same place next week. If you miss the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2 p.m. PNG time, or you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website. That's all here. But there, can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. 
This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.